Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Teen Talk Podcast. On today's episode, I got to chat with one of my good friends, Jack Thompson, about how to find your passion, what quantifies success, and how to alleviate some of the pressures teenagers face in their everyday life. He does something really cool that most 17-year-olds would never dream of. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Sit back, relax, and uh, let's get into it. Hello and welcome everybody to the Teen Talk Podcast. Today I am joined by my good friend Jack Thompson who we actually first met in sixth grade. So about five years later, we're still good friends. Dude, and five years? It's been about five years, yeah. And uh, Jack, he's actually a great friend of mine. Um, we started something a long time ago, a long time ago called Nuisance Gaming. Dude, what a throwback! Which, yeah, exactly. Which definitely did not work out, but it sort of got me thinking, um, and towards the way of cre- or content creation and what that um, all means. And he has a pretty cool story and a pretty cool background, and, and is actually doing something very interesting career-wise. Um, just like me, I believe you're 17 now, correct? Yeah. 17. So um, he's 17, but he's doing something that most 17-year-olds um, aren't doing, uh, which which you can you, you if you go ahead and tell them if you want. <laughs> um, sure. So uh, I'm Jack, and I'm a pilot. I fly as a private pilot now, and I'm looking to go into commercial aviation. Yeah. So basically, um, to sort of explain that to you guys. Jack flies planes at the age of 17, and I believe you have your pilot's license right now. I'm a student pilot now. I'm set to have my private's license end of August, early uh, September. Yeah, so most of us, um, we don't even have our driver's licenses yet, and this dude can fly a freaking plane, yeah. which is pretty cool, but um, that's not that's not the only thing um, about Jack that is, you know, out of the ordinary, I guess would say he's. No, it's not. Yeah, no, you're kind of a weird kid. No, just, just <laughs> I'm a not little bit. Deny that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, Jack and I, we first met in um, elementary school, sixth grade, when we both moved schools to a brand new school that opened up. Yeah. Um, near us, and uh, we weren't in the same class, but we were in a program called RAP, which means Regional Autism Program, and that was a place where we got to interact and actually help and. Uh, for lack of a better term, almost, um, it's not like teach, but it, it was almost like we just, we got to really help, um, like nurture the kids and, and really, uh, you probably, yeah, it was like, um, so in sixth grades, we kind of integrated ourselves in our time to help, um, the kids who are in, uh, rap and basically spent, you know, lunch times with them and then sometimes class time and just kind of gave them. I don't know, just like a companionship that wasn't through teacher or family mm-hmm. that might have been harder for them to necessarily get naturally. So I don't know of a better way to describe it, but it was a great time, great program. Yeah, and what was really cool about that is Jack and I got to be really close through that. And then, you know, that, there's that weird transition between elementary school and then junior high. So we kind of fell off, I guess, for a little bit over that summer. And it was like, yeah. it, was, it was almost like, it was, it, it's like I knew him. But it, we weren't really the like the best of friends sure. or like are, are super close, right? Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right on track. And so the weirdest possible thing was since our names are very similar, we're like he's we both start with a T and we're just yeah. a couple letters off. Um, last names, not first names. Yeah, first names. last names exactly. <laughs> Major difference. And we ended up being in the same PE class in seventh grade, and he sat right in front of me. And I sat behind him for like whenever we were getting ready doing roll call, 
And one thing led to another. We started, you know, talking, getting closer together, and we ended up being best friends um, all throughout junior Junior high high. um, until high school where we sort of went into our own programs. But what's really cool about Jack is he has this incredible way of, one, with technology, two, with people, and just being like, you're just such an open-hearted and great person, which I really, yeah, of course, which which I realized. And What's cool about um, what's cool about Jack is that no matter you know what you're doing, he always has something to help. You know, you know, yeah. you know a lot. You just know a lot, which is and awesome. it gets me in trouble sometimes. Yeah. but <laughs> yeah. So this dude knows everything that you could possibly know about you know video, computers, audio, whatever, whatever your technological needs are, all the way down to you know nursing. Where at some at one point he was he wanted to be a nurse. And then now into, you know, flying planes, which yeah. I'd like to go in more into depth. Of course, depth. yeah. Um, I'm always happy to talk about it. Because, you know, flying a plane is a lot, just a tad different than driving a car. <laughs> it's different, yeah, yeah. But I honestly wouldn't say it's much harder. Yeah. it's I, I And I bet, you know, after you've practiced it for a little bit. And yeah. What, so... Sort of give me about like a time range of, uh, let's say, all the way from junior high to high school, how you went from, you know, wanting to do obviously being a nurse, which is, again, helping people of course. and how that sort of impacted your life. Not like not just, you know, mentally, but also emotionally. And then sure. going into flying a plane where, you know, there's people like you're flying a freaking plane. There's no way you're going to be able to do that, especially at such a young age. Yeah. So um, pretty much through junior high, I kind of found my calling in healthcare. And I never really wanted to be a doctor because there was never any patient interaction. So I was like, oh, nursing kind of satisfies this interest in medicine and health science, but also uh, helping people and interacting with people. And over time, just kind of as I looked at what it took to become a nursing professional or someone who works in the healthcare field, there, without sounding lazy, which it is, there's a certain amount of work that's required for different fields, obviously. A doctor is going to work a lot harder than somebody who might be a comms major. And that's not to say anything wrong with being a comms major. There's just different workloads involved with each. And I really didn't want to put myself through that, especially because my plan was to go directly from high school to college. Um, I think maybe if there was some kind of gap year, maybe, but also you might lose interest and stuff like that. Um, but I had always been interested in flying and flying for, uh, way longer than I'd ever been interested in nursing. So from a young age, uh, I'm really fortunate in that I've got to travel a lot. So I lived in Arkansas and about every summer we kind of tried to go somewhere. And usually that involved flying because we're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just kind of over time I was like, yo, this is really cool. And I had a neighbor whose dad became a private pilot at the same time he was working so i kind of got to see from the very far background like oh you can like do this and very quickly like it kind of fell out of mind because you know it's like you're like six seven years old and he's significantly older like there's more means to be able to do this and i from a certain uh, aspect it was like oh well you can be a private pilot i guess but like you need you know most of the pilots that come into the airlines are from military and, you know, not a path that I wanted to go down. So for the longest time, I was like, oh, well, I mean, maybe I'll fly planes one day, but maybe never for an airline. Um, so I found myself doing like flight sim video games at home with a controller. Yeah, I remember like when you're back in your old house, you had like this joystick and you were, yeah, you were just like taking off. I'm like, what are you doing? Where he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, flying planes. I'm like, 
Dude, you could be playing Call of Duty or something, and you're over here flying, flying planes, which is yeah. like, which is so, awesome. It was Microsoft Flight Sim X, and it came out in like 2000. Yeah. <laughs> so outdated, and I mm, garbage. There, there was no knowledge. It was like, oh, I can pull back and take off a plane. And I yeah. thought that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so eventually, uh, uh, this was closer to December. I don't know. I'd say September of last. Um, where it was kind of like, okay, how do I get a career in this? Because I was passionate about it. It was something that had always fascinated me. It kind of blended the loving technology because of how much is in aviation. And also like, to some extent you do get to help people and that you take people from one place to another, uh, travel and things like that. Yeah. It's not necessarily as hands-on as something like nursing or something like that. But it was still enough to be like, okay, yeah, I'm helping people, but I also really enjoy and I'm enthusiastic about this passion. So found myself doing research with helps of my mom and dad and found a flight school out in Camarillo. Took my like demo flight, which is basically like, a, oh, let's see if you get you know, sick or if you just lose interest after taking off or whatever. And I just found myself exponentially more enthused in it and just excited about it. So pretty soon after that, uh, after Christmas, got enrolled through Channel Islands Aviation, which is where I fly out of now. And that's kind of the progression, I guess, from nursing to where I am now. Yeah, which is like two completely like different things. They're like, not you know, related. You know, I'm going to, you know, put you know a thermometer in your mouth in here. Now I'm going to fly you around, which yeah, is like... No, totally opposite ends of the spectrum. But it's just been a fascinating journey. I guess to say, uh, both like, a, oh, is this what I'm going to do as my career, but also like a self-searching journey and that it's like, oh, what am I actually passionate about? How do I take what I'm already passionate about and blend it into something? And I kind of found that. Yeah. And so can you sort of explain that to me? And because I, I find myself at times like, what am I passionate about? Sure. And can you run me through sort of, and, and also inform the others, um, how, what were your sort of steps? Like you're like, you know, F it, I'm just going to go do it? Or, you know, how did you, you know, how did your support system, but also how did you end up finding that passion? And how would you inform others? Sure. To sort of find so, that? um, I didn't think that I ever found my passion until like I had already started. So I had looked at aviation and I was, I guess, passionate about it because I was interested. The first thing is to find what you're interested in and find what you're like, genuinely interested in. Not interested in as a, oh, I want to do this because I can make good money or I like this hobby because other people like this hobby. Like find something that you're genuinely passionate about. Doesn't matter what it is. And you can only go somewhere if you have a solid foundation. So I liked tech and I liked planes. So I was like, okay, cool. Pretty linear thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and very quickly I just found myself like, oh, you can actually become a private pilot and potentially fly for an airline um, without military and without years and years of experience, which of course you do have to be experienced about depending on whether or not you go to college, um, 1,000, 1,500 hours to become an airline pilot. Um, but also it's kind of your, if you're lucky enough to like know what your passion is, that's fantastic and good for you. I was not that way. 
I had things that I enjoyed, and as far as tech and stuff, I was always told, like, oh, well, you should go into IT or, um, like, data management. And it's like, yeah, and I got a, a little bit of experience with that through a company out here, but although I'm interested in it, it's like a you almost don't want to do something that you're going to burn yourself out of because you love it so much. Yeah, it's like that simple, like, nine-to-five thing, you yeah. know, where you're like, you know, I love to do this, and I'm going to do it for my job, and then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to do it too. So you're yeah. just doing it 24 hours. And again, it's like, it's that simple, like, to, that that case of, you know, teenage burnout where you do something you yeah. love, and then you get so involved in it, they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I know I love it, but I just need to find that passion again. Yeah. Um, and on the topic of a whole nine to five thing, I couldn't, the idea of spending, you know, eight hours a day or whatever in a desk bothered me because it's like, oh, so I'm going to sit down in a desk through elementary to high school and then through high school and then off to college. I'm just going to like sit and do work and then I'm going to do it again for the rest of my life. Like, yeah, there's work involved, but you get to travel and there's so many like amenities and it's not a typical job. It's interesting. But going back to how you find your passions and what you're interested in, just um, for some people, if you go online or something and you take like a, a career compatibility test or whatever, if it turns back results and you do a little research on them and you're like, yeah, you know, this really interests me, that's great. And if that's your case and everybody should go try if you haven't, then like good for you. But also it doesn't work for everyone because none of my careers that I was placed in matched what I was genuinely interested in and enthusiastic about doing. So that kind of made, I guess, my search harder. But it was honestly a good bit easier because um, my mom and my dad, my dad mainly, because he's like a whole research nerd, um, was like, okay, like I took your interests in whatever and kind of like your history and whatever. And, you know, these are some things that I found and I encourage you to take this and then go do your own research. So it's almost like you were given maybe like a half complete outline for an essay and you need to go finish it. And as I'm doing the research myself, I'm like, I could really see myself doing this. So it's a combination of um, taking input from other people because sometimes other people know you better than you know you. Um, but on that same, to that same note, like also don't do something that you know you don't like. But the key is to be open to uh, like possibility and opportunity. Don't you have to have an open mind for anything, whether or not you think you're going to like it or not. If you come in with a closed mind, you won't either a be open to new career and job opportunities or just life experiences. But if you come in with an open mind, you open yourself up and it's just really interesting. Um, probably not the best person to talk to about kind of finding a career path because it kind of landed in my lap. Mm-hmm. Not an extent of it was like, oh, I was basically given this opportunity, which to some extent, yes, I was, but also like I had a passion for it and it was interesting. And I had um, like friends and family who had taken similar paths and it was, so no one in my family is a pilot, which is kind of outside of the norm for most pilots because most pilots have like a family lineage. So I'll be the first in my name to fly for anyone ever. Um, so that was also kind of interesting is it's like, you know, some families and you might have a passion that is in line with a family business or a family past, but, and, and in that case, it's sometimes it's easier for you and that's great, but yeah, it's, it's hard to explain because it was honestly kind of random, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like there was a mental process. I'm still, I'm like thinking through it out loud and trying to revisit a lot. So I don't know if any of this is making sense. 
No, yeah, but, it, it totally does. And what what is very interesting is that like us as teenagers, we think mm-hmm. that or like the world teaches us, hey, we need everything figured out by the time we're seventeen. Yeah, I was I was talking to someone uh, today. I've mentioned him a lot of times, Donovan. We got yeah. coffee today, um, and he was like, "The world wants us to know, and we've always been taught that we need to know everything by the time we're seventeen, which is false. But yes. since it's taught to us so much, it's like we're going through, like he said, it, we're going through our first breakup, we're going through puberty, we're going through our first jobs, and we're supposed to f- know what we want and and what we're going to be doing by the age of yeah. 20 like or by 25 we're going to be doing that for the rest of our life it's like you know that's why i think it's so important for us as teenagers is whoa take a step back you know take a deep breath yeah. um the typical thing that might have worked 50 years ago isn't going to work now yeah you know the going to school going to college getting a job you know sitting in an office from, from nine to five i mean you're you're sitting at a desk for the rest of your life. Is it going to be at a desk? Yeah. It's going to be in an air, air um, in, in an airplane seat. You know, yeah. you know. I guess driving, quote unquote, driving people. And so that's why, I would like, my next question for you would be, what is that feeling? Like you're you're sitting in your quote unquote desk, right? Yeah. And and you look down and you kind of see like from above. What is that like? What's that feeling like? So every, so after like your first flight or so, you kind of forget like the whole fact that you're – so I fly in a small plane now. I fly a Cessna 172P model and it's like a little four-seater plane, you know, two up front, two up back, um, like a 180 horsepower engine, whatever. And it's basically just a flying brick. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it's not glorious. It's not very aerodynamic. It's not sleek and well-designed. But after the first few flights, you kind of lose the fact that, like, I'm flying a brick in the sky. And it really just becomes, like, a continuation of life on the ground. It's just, un- for me right now, it's just another way of transport. It's another way of seeing the city and the places I fly by. It's another place of seeing the coast. So that's probably going to change a lot as I find myself with my commercial license and then to my uh, ATPL. and then Which is ATPL? Right? Uh, airline Transport. License. Okay. So in order to fly for an airline, you have to have your ATP license, and that's about 1,000 to 1,500 hours, single engine, multi, uh, single, engine single pilot. Um, so then what was that, um, like, when you first got in the plane, obviously, like, you, you, you experience it, like, when you're sitting, yeah. sitting, going from, like, let's say, Arkansas to California, but now you're actually flying the plane, you're at the front, like, I've always wondered what it looks like to be, like, at the front of the plane, and you see everything. What's that like? It's the first time. The first time. So when you take a demo flight at any kind of flight school, it's really just like, okay, okay sit down. Maybe you'll get to take off. Maybe not. We'll, we'll bring you up and then you kind of fly around a little, get a feel for the controls and you're back on the ground. But also it's a good time to kind of like experience like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like li- being a living drone. Like if you've ever flown like a DJI or something like it or seen drone videos on YouTube – it's just the ability to experience that yourself and also have the total control to be like, oh, I want to go see this part of the coast, so I'm going to turn right. And, you know, as long as there's no oncoming traffic or whatever, you know, you kind of have free range to do that. So it's beautiful, but at the same time kind of terrifying because it you do have to realize that there are more risk factors, but also compared to just standing, of course. Because not only, you know, there are no roads, there are no stoplights or anything. So in a sense, it's easier because you don't have to stay in a lane. You don't have to turn here and turn there and use blinkers and whatnot. But also because the airspace is so vast, you have to look out for a lot. 
So there's kind of like a baseline level, at least starting, baseline level of fear of like, holy shit, like, this is happening. But also there's just like an awe of like, I'm, you know, 4,000 feet above the ground in complete control of a sky car, basically. Yeah. Just... Which, to you know, until you get to like, oh, I'm taking this route here to there. When you're just a solo pilot or flying for lessons or whatever and just flying around... There is no kind of limitation on where you go and what you do. So it's... I, I don't really know how to explain looking out of it. Um, like, I do have pictures and stuff that kind of encapsulates that, but there's no feeling like sitting in the seat and doing it. Yeah. And you just can't explain it. It's almost like driving for the first time, but you're not nearly as scared, and it's like 30 times more stunning. Yeah. And so, like... What something about you, which I've always found interesting, is that we talked about passion earlier, mm-hmm. and anything that you ever get involved in, you're always incredibly passionate, and you give like a hundred and twenty percent in. So whether that be um, again rap, the regional autism program, and then went into Saugus, it was choir, and it's still choir. Yeah. And then now you know you have flying, but on top of that, you're also the head tech guy at school, which mm-hmm. Um, we just got a brand new multi-million dollar theater built at yeah, our school. $18 million. Yeah, $18 uh, million dollar theater built at our school, which we're incredibly blessed, and it's a beautiful theater. It is. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's called The Forum. Yeah. And um, Jack is the guy that basically, uh, for lack of a better term, he's the guy that runs it all and knows everything that sort of happens in there, obviously, audio-wise. From a a student aspect, yes. Yes. Um, I do have two people that I work with who are higher at the district, and they know way more than I do. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm also kind of, like, I guess a resource to anybody who wants to use the space when they're not at school, because they're not constantly there. So, like, I know some, I don't know all of it, but I know enough to get myself a job there. Yeah. So that's a clear distinction, because (laughs) there's a lot I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, even for, I mean, if I went in there, I'd just be like, oh, there's, what do I do here? Sure. You know, but it, it's just really cool because, you know, Jack, your story is very interesting in the way that, like, you've you've traveled from, you know, you were in Arkansas, which yeah. is a very small, or it's, it's big, but it's like a small, like, community, right? That yeah, so in, I, you know? I lived in Bentonville, Arkansas, and when we left, it was just beginning to explode. So, Bentonville, Arkansas is the home of Walmart. It's where it all started. So it's a big, not industrial city, but it's a city of industry in that there you have a major corporation there and almost every uh, business there works in relation to Walmart. So right as I left, there was a big art museum that opened and we're thinking about going back just because there's been a major change. So yeah, I when I left Arkansas, it's not the same as it is now. Yeah. It, it's, it means something now. And yeah. It's kind of strange. Yeah. So it's almost like you go, and I'm guessing the, the trip from Arkansas to California, that was like, or at least being in a bigger place, because you went from yeah. straight from Arkansas to Santa Cruz, correct? Yes. I, yeah. did, I didn't hop anywhere in between. Yeah. Which Santa Cruz is, for, for those of you who don't know, is like huge. It's a huge city in, a, yeah. in California. And it's it's a very kid friendly, I guess, town. There's like it's kid friendly. It, it's more kid friendly than an urbanized area like uh, Los Angeles yeah. or something like that. It's Los Angeles County, but it's a suburban city. Yeah, and, and 
you know, being dropped from, you know, I guess moving, because I've never really had to move when I, mm -hmm. when I moved into my house now, I was one, so I didn't really have any yeah. understanding of time or where I was. So when you moved, you sort of understood, hey, I'm moving. And how was that like um, moving from a place to another place and that almost that journey of being accepted into a place that you've never been before? It was tough and it sucked. Like, just to put it blatantly, the first year was really hard. Not only because um, the friends that I had in Arkansas, we were all born around the same time. And all of our parents knew each other. And basically, like, that was my circle. Like, even though I had friends at school and we went to different schools and everything, I had this core group of friends that I had almost never left. And to very, uh, I guess, abruptly taken from that, not in like a malicious way, but just like, you know, I'm nine or so years old. And then it's like, these are the only people I've known for nine years. And then going somewhere across the country, um, it was really tough. And at the time I was moving, not only was it hard dealing with um, losing those friends and then having to come here and make new ones, but also uh, education-wise. Because you, when, I, when I moved out to California, your academic standards were different than what we had in Arkansas. And I really struggled through fifth and a good portion of sixth grade into seventh and eighth. But that really just became a, am I being lazy or is it just hard to understand? <laughs> yeah. Like after fifth and sixth grade, I was like, okay, I'm up to speed. But for those two years, it was, I wouldn't say painful in like a, I mentally suffered or physically suffered, but it was just so far out from normal that I just wasn't prepared for it. And there really is no way to be prepared for it. So it taught me a lot about, um, I don't know, I guess accepting people and also being accepted because you're coming in as an outsider. And most of the people who live here, like you had said, you've been here since you're one, right-ish. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people that you, and maybe not you personally, but a lot of people who have been who have lived in a city for a long time, like I was in, our, in Bentonville, um, I had a core group of friends. And it's really hard to, at the ages of like, you know, 10 through 14, to find a new circle because every circle's already been made. And high school really kind of opened that up because um, towards the end of eighth grade, I kind of found like my click yeah. or whatever. Um, and that very quickly kind of dissolved as I found choir. Yeah. And to anybody who maybe not be, who's maybe not in high school, which I mean, good for you for listening. But um, high school, if you can involve yourself, it makes everything so much easier. Yeah. It makes uh, just like life as an individual easier. It makes friendships and relationships alike way easier. You have a lot more people to go to. Like be involved. It's one of the best things you can do. And I, I'm involved in choir and I'm involved some with the drama department through working in the forum. But um, I honestly wish I was kind of more involved just because it's the quality of life goes way up once you're involved into a welcoming and just like friendly family. Yeah. And I think that's, that's almost with anything, especially yeah. high school is getting involved in high school is probably one of the best things that you can do. So for those of you that are in seventh or eighth or even younger, and for those of you that are in high school that might may, may, may just be starting, um, I guarantee you'll regret if you don't go to those football games, if you don't go to those yeah. basketball games, if you don't join something like choir. For me, it was S&N, and now I'm moving on to Lit Mag. 
Um, and then I'm also on the baseball team. So yeah. it's just getting involved. Um, you can never be too involved, but as soon as you start to feel that you, you're, you're starting to get stressed out because you're like, yeah. I have so many things. So just find yeah. that, I guess, you know, sort of my thing that I've been working on is finding my niche. Yeah. Um, and finding a place where I feel as though I belong and a place where people um, want me for who I am, not they don't want me just for either status mm-hmm. um, or or I guess what I stand for. Because on, on campus, I'm very well known for you know being there for for a lot of people and doing my stuff yes. with yeah, with camera. Course. I wouldn't I, I hate the, like that term popular because it's yeah. like a very kind of subjective the, thing. It's there's a more, negative. Connotation, connotation around being popular so i would say like more well-known where yeah. you know i can go to any any group and i know at least one to two people but again i never like i feel welcome to a certain extent but it's like more acquaintances than yeah like real friends i have two two groups or like one to two groups of really close friends and then two best friends which is my friend mauricio and then jack who i've known for i mean forever and so and it was awesome when I met Jack because he just moved here. Yeah, um, and I was I was still figuring myself out. Yeah, and we almost still. we kind of ish went through the same thing where you moved from a different, uh, you moved from a different uh, state. State. Well, I entirely. moved. I moved from a different school, so I went from my my school to another school. Um, I was currently or I was at one school for six years or for five, however long it was yeah. from kindergarten to fifth grade. And then my sixth grade year, I moved. So it was like I was meeting new people as well. So that's yeah. why Jack and I clicked so much because we were both new. We were bo- we both sort of didn't know what was going on. It's that awkward kind of phase in sixth grade where you're like, sure. I'm about to be in like a grown-up-ish or I'm about to go into my grown-up part of my years. Yeah, I'm about to gain maturity. A- exactly. I wouldn't say you're a grown-up. No, but yeah. with maturity comes conflict and you have yeah. to kind of figure out how that all works. Yeah, and it's just... I, I think, again, going into that passion thing where sure. we were very new and then as we grew up, we didn't necessarily grow apart, but we definitely weren't as involved because we got in our, our separate yeah. niches, which was when I, because when I first met Jack, it was just him and I, we were the only friends, it was us yeah. on campus and, you know, no one else. And that was in seventh and eighth grade where, I mean, it was, we were, we were like our only two friends. Yeah. And then as we started to evolve and when he got into high school, it was sort of like he found this group and I was almost like, yay, go Jack. And then for him, he was like, yay, go Hayden, you found your group. It, it's it's so much excitement because I don't think our relationship has changed at all. No. I no. think we're just as close and just as open with each other as we were. It's just we do it from a distance. Yeah. So it, it's almost like if you have, you know, if you, if you're like Hayden and I, I guess, and you have somebody who's a really close friend or maybe a sibling or a romantic partner, whatever, and they go on and, you know, keep that same relationship with you, but do something that's so good for them that it doesn't harm your relationship, but it just like, you're so proud. Yeah. Almost. Cause it's like, yeah, like I know them, they're figuring this out, yeah. like good for them. And we we both kind of fell in to that path. Me with choir, you with SNN and baseball, and I think that it's honestly probably been better. Yeah. That because um, like the DC trip after a week, I don't think we could stand each other for yeah. like the next <laughs> month. Dude, proximity yeah. proximity sucks sometimes. Yeah. But what was what is awesome about Jack and I's relationship is that we're really close in seventh and eighth grade, and then as we went into high school, just to sort of go more in depth of it is I got involved with 
it was SNN baseball, and then my two clubs on campus, um, or my club on campus, SSA, which Safe School Ambassadors, um, which I got heavily involved in. And then sure. Jack, he was choir, um, and that was his thing in which yeah. he was in like, I don't know, like 80 different choirs on campus. Yeah, I'm, in, like, I'm in two choirs, yeah. and then I work for all of them. Yeah, and and what was awesome was to see him grow into that into that role of, you know, I'm, I'm doing something I love. And I think that's awesome because a lot of, there, there's friends, friends grow apart over time. Some friends grow closer, some friends grow apart. And um, both are good. Yeah, which is, which is fine. And, you know, it's for the better and sometimes for the worst. But um, you see like friend groups, they start to fall apart. Sure. And, or, or one person starts hanging with another friend group. They're not doing the best things. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of break those ties with this friend and friend, friend sure. groups grow apart. But what was awesome with Jack and I is we both were doing something productive. We were both doing something we loved. And I think as soon as I realized, you know, I kind of got a little selfish in, the, in, in a way where Jack was getting his thing and I was doing my thing. I was like, bro, I want like to hang with Jack. <laughs> yeah. Because he was doing his so own thing. Busy. We're both incredibly busy. But yet, you know, and you would expect when friends grow apart, it's like, oh, you never say hi or anything. But Anytime I saw Jack on campus, it was always like, hey, what's up, yeah, buddy? How have, are you? We have the most meaningful conversation yeah. in the shortest amount of time. Yeah, I think there's there's a part where right in front of the choir room, it's the choir room, the restroom, then there's like this big gap and then more classrooms. I see, I'm walking down the stairs. I say, what's up, Jack? In about 20 seconds, we kind of catch up. And yeah, then... It's like the past two months in 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, the past two months in 20 seconds. I go to my class and then he's, you know, with his choir friends. And it's just awesome because I know I can always rely on Jack as yeah. not only a friend... But just as like a mentor because he knows so much and he always has the you know the best advice and just a caring for the most part <laughs> for the most for the, part for, for the most part pretty garbage advice yeah but. yeah you know we you have your moments yeah, uh, of course but, but it's just awesome to to know like you always have someone there for you especially because there's always there's that difference between feeling lonely and alone right yeah you don't it's okay to be lonely because mm-hmm. lonely means you have people in your life alone means you're just Alone. There's there's nobody that you feel as though there's nobody, nobody there. there for you. And if if you to like completely change topics real yeah. fast, if you feel like you're in a situation like that, there are people. Yeah. Um. For a, I wouldn't say like in a mentally harmful way, but for a for that good portion of sixth and seventh grade, and then into eighth, and then into ninth a bit, mm. um, I got super heavily involved in online communities like as a way to find relationship, like friendships without necessarily like with, with a group who's open online to, interactions, not like bad ones as in like yeah. video game friends. Where yeah. No, you, you, not, you're not all... like, Hey, someone talked to me. I'm lonely. But like, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, like getting really heavily involved in a community, especially in the PC spectrum. Yeah. Because there's just so much to do. Um, and that helped me a lot was just like, like there are people there and there are ways to get to it. So if you're in a situation where you do feel like you are alone, there are people there. You, it's just sometimes hard to find them. Yeah. And not, you know, not every way is right for every person. Like yeah, you found course. yours in like online gaming and, 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 and that might not be a different thing. Yeah. And then, you know, for you is, um, for, for choir, um, that was your, your way of yeah. sort of meeting new people. So there's always... I guarantee when you feel alone, like I've felt this creatively where I'm just, I'm the only person like me. Right. And And then, and then you, and it sucks. You feel like I'm, I feel alone. I don't feel lonely. Mm -hmm. I feel alone because there's no one else like me. There's no one that thinks like me, but then you start meeting people like my friend Donovan, like the people like Jack where they're, they're 
not like you, but they're very similar to you mm -hmm. in a way that they have the same aspirations. They both want to be successful, not in the way of monetary value as in, you know, give me the dollar bills, I'm successful, but in a way as in creatively I'm successful, as in, you know, I learned how to fly a freaking plane. I believe that that's, that's my form of success. Yeah. And, and for me, it's, I don't want my life to be quantified by money. Uh, obviously, I, I want to be well off, but I, sure. want my, I want my success to be defined by the people I meet and the people I impact. Yeah. You know, my, like I've said I, before, I believe, you know, my dad told me every day um, before I went to school, make a difference in someone's life today. Yeah. And yeah. when I finally listened and that one day it clicked, my eyes just went huge and I was just like, oh my gosh. You figured it out. I, I figured it out. What I want to do is help people and, mm -hmm. and not in a way of like nursing or flying people, but in a way of um, creative content and, and being a place where I promote kindness, empathy, and things such and, and things in that. Yeah, um, and to that extent, as far as content creation and stuff, um, think about all the people who like you may or may not watch on YouTube and on Instagram or whatever in a non non harmful way, like an addictive way. But there are escapes, and it's a positive escape where you are helping people. You're providing either a distraction or something steady that they can come to. Um, a feeling of acceptance and I think that you've absolutely nailed that both through podcasts like this where you're kind of showing people like hey these are people who are doing something that's either you know outside the norm or somebody who's really happy doing this thing and I think it's great and I like my definition of success is also not quantified monetarily and I think everybody to some extent says that but it's like I want to be well off of yeah. course because Although it's not a meaning of success, it's like a, you know, you just kind of want to live the life that you want to live comfortably. But my definition of success is like being able to do things. So I don't think I'm successful in that, like I work for the choir department. I think I'm successful in that, like I have the opportunity to learn and then apply these things to help other people. Yeah. So the success might be my lead tech position, but my internal success comes from like learning how to do it yeah and i think to some extent that we all kind of need to feel that way because if you live your life thinking you know oh my success is quantified by a tangible like if you can put a number on your success yeah just take a step back and reevaluate because for in in a lot of cases i'm not going to say all because i don't know um, but in a lot of cases, if you if your definition of success is quantified by monetary gain and just like the the wealth that you have, um, you're probably going to get burned out. If you don't see success as a result of passion, then you will burn out. Yeah, and, and I love how you tied it back into passion, which I was going to do as well, where I think if you are passionate, about something I think the success will come along with that yes just just like with um, you and I we're both heavily passionate about something and sometimes we feel so lost by that because you're like I love to do this but how am I gonna do it yeah and so what we want to do is turn our passion into something successful yeah where you know you're incredibly passionate about flying so I want to help people um, by transporting them back and forth or, or flying, however, mm -hmm. however you want to do that. And learning in, in your success, again, quantifying it by your um, 
terms of success is I want to learn how to fly so that I can meet people mm-hmm. who need help. Yeah. Um, and that that's why I think finding your passion and finding what you love to do is so incredible. If you love to have a nine to five job where you're at a desk and you're happy doing that the rest of your life, go for, go you and I'm really happy. But I think especially now in our generation, we're going almost towards a way of I don't want to do the traditional like where where I'm just stuck somewhere and I have to do that till I'm 70 in a wheelchair, you know, just doing something that I'm not very happy and just living a sure. mediocre life. I think our generation, I think almost every generation, but I know that ours in particular is that we want we want to find we want to be passionate about something and turn it into success mm-hmm. and I see you doing that and I see a lot of other people doing that which is really interesting and tying it back to what you had said towards the beginning of the podcast about um, the idea of like by 17 you need to get everything figured out by no means is that true but it's also not harmful yeah because if you can set yourself up on if you have the the fortune and ability to find what you want to do and have more time to work towards it to start it sooner that's fantastic but to that same extent, if you don't know what you want to major in, what you want to do as a career, if you're still like finding out who you are as an individual, there is nothing wrong with taking a gap year. Maybe you don't go to college. Maybe you do something vocational or maybe you just find a way around it. Or you know, maybe you go – like we have COC and it's wonderful. It's mm-hmm. one of the best community colleges in the country. Yeah. And a lot of people are able to go and do that for two years to get all the dumb stuff out of the way all the basics so that way they can go and find their passion and then work hard at their passion for two more years or four more years or maybe six more years in another level of education. And that's not to say that you will only be successful if you go to college. You, that is not the yeah, case. That's not even there have been to. so many people who have proven that wrong and some have been lucky and some have just figured it out. But you deal with a lot between, you know, 15 and 20 something. You're, you're, by the time most people graduate college, from what I've seen in friends and colleagues and just people I know, is you can you know work four years and get a degree in something and still not love it. So my thought is if you can figure out what you love before you have to commit to something like that, then you will enjoy your time so much more. Yeah. And it, it's, just an, it's just an important thing to note that you, know, you don't need to have everything figured out and you shouldn't feel pressured. To figure thing out, to figure everything out, but it will not hurt you. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to end it off talking about pressure. Um, yeah, pressure there, is important. Especially as high schoolers, we feel pressure immensely. Pressure from, although they don't want to admit it, sometimes pressure from parents. Of course. Pressure from friends, pressure from teachers, pressure from college, pressure from this, from that, from sports. If you play sports, pressure of getting good grades, pressure of you know everything that you can imagine that you feel that pressure from. Take a step back, take a deep breath, realize, okay, there are all these things causing me pressure. How can I limit that one? Mm-hmm. And also realize that by 17, you don't have to have it all figured out. By no means that, that does that mean don't yeah. search for it. Yeah. Because I, mean, I think work, it, work for it, but yeah. don't, don't put pressure. Don't on put yourself. pressure on trying to figure out what you need to do. Because again, um, another statistic is in, in everybody's lifetime, they change jobs two to three times, mm-hmm. meaning going from a nurse to a lawyer, from a lawyer to a pilot, let's say. So they change careers three times. 
And so, I mean, for my mom, she went from wanting to do have a biological science degree, and then now she's a vice president of human resources. And then in these past uh, this past year to two years, she's going to change management. And so she's again, she's changed three times. Yeah. And she graduated college with a biological science degree, and out of college, she was working as a human resources, mm-hmm. um, someone, someone in human resources. So you never know. So don't put so much pressure on yourself to want to know what you need to do because. Who knows? Maybe you'll end up being a content creator. Maybe you'll end up being a nurse. Maybe you'll end up being a SoundCloud rapper. Who knows? And maybe you might <laughs> up, you might end up being a pilot. But I think the whole moral of this story uh, and Jack's story, which um, again, incredible, um, what he's been able to accomplish in such a at such a young age, is when you find something you're passionate about, success is no longer quantified by money. It's, yeah. it's quantified, quantified by the people you affect and the people you help, but also the things that you learn along the way. Mm-hmm. And if you put too much pressure on it, you might end up being getting burned out. So don't put too much pressure on needing to know everything and where your life is going to be by 17 or 18. Just take a step back, take a deep breath, and you know realize that the life that you've been given, you don't want to waste it. Yeah. And don't feel pressured to have everything figured out because honestly... It, you don't need to. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so just, again, take a deep, take a step back and, you know, realize that you're so blessed to have this life. Yeah. So don't squander it and find something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Don't throw it away. Think about all the decisions that you do make when you are under pressure. Think about how often you regret them. And then, then take a step back. And although the pressures might be different, pressure is pressure. So whether it's pressure from school or whatnot, it will affect any decision. So if you can mitigate that pressure by taking away the, I need to know everything by 17. I need to have every college applied to going into my senior year, which advisable. But if that's not your path, then good for you. Because if you can mitigate pressure to figure out a passion, it is worth delaying. Just like flights, they get delayed. Always. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jack, one for joining me on this podcast. Well, thanks for and, having me. And uh, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, you know, I haven't been doing the podcast a lot, but I've got this sudden burst of um, sort of inspiration yeah. and uh, finding something again that I'm passionate about. Um, and I, I really appreciate all you guys um, for listening. If you did listen uh, to the end, uh, thank you. And if you just listened to parts of it, uh, thank you. Um, I get Instagram DMs from you guys um, or s- some people. Um, There's one um, girl that just DM'd me from uh, all the way down somewhere in South America. I think it was Mexico. Oh, wow. Um, or there was Mexico and then someone else from South, yeah, uh, South America. Mexico's yeah, exactly. South America. <laughs> exactly. Important uh, geography. See, see, yeah, see, see, I did Mexico is... <laughs> yeah, Mexico is not in South America. Yeah, I, I haven't taken human geography yet, so don't give me crap about it. But um, just the the you, you guys DMing me and telling me how much it's helped has just been awesome, and I hope to bring other people on that um, that help you um, in your path because that's the goal of this season is bringing sure. people on and collaborating. So thank you again, Jack. I hope you guys all have a great day, and um, I will see you guys, or I will you guys will be listening, and I will hear you guys on the next on the next podcast. Um, have a great day, guys. See you later. Thanks for having me. Appreciate. It. Hey everybody, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, don't forget to share it around with some of your friends um, so that they can get the message of positivity and finding your passion.
Just a little takeaway from this, it's never too late to find something that you love to do. And when you do find that something that you love to do, it's the most amazing feeling in the world. For me, it's this podcast and helping people um, in my community and hopefully one day all around the world. So don't forget that you guys are awesome and I hope you guys have an amazing day. See you guys in the next one.